So it turns out that when scientists mapped out our genome, they couldn't understand that only 4% of the genetic material was functioning and the other 96% wasn't. Well, based on other records that I was able to access, it, it appears that that 96% of our genetic material is our celestial DNA. It, it is crystalline based. It is etheric, uh, subtle type of uh, double diamond. They call it even more advanced than crystalline. Uh, it is what they call the silica matrix, not silicone. We're not machines here. Right. Silica matrix. <laughs> Welcome to Far Out with Faust, everybody. I am Faust Chicho, in case you didn't know, and I am excited and honored and delighted to be joined by Ismael Perez. Now, many of you have been asking me when I'm going to talk to this fine gentleman, and so I am finally here with him, and I'm excited. I have a ton of questions for him. Um, Ismael, tell, give everyone a little background about yourself. Sure. I'm what you consider an awakened starseed, and what that means is that I was born with a uh, my memory is fully intact as to who I was before I volunteered to come here into a human vessel. And I have memories of my past lives. I have memories of myself um, and other um, coordinates in time uh, here on this planet, uh, what they call different, you know, incarnations. Uh, I have memories of my galactic self working and operating in higher dimensions. So I was born like this, fully awakened, and it was very... Very difficult at first because I, I felt like I was clashing with this density, this reality. Um, you know, nobody seemed to uh, be telepathic anymore. All of a sudden, you know, people were using verbatims to communicate. So that was one of the indicators, which I thought it was a red flag for me back then as a kid, like thinking, why is everybody not telepathic? Huge red flag. Where am I? What realm is this? So to make a long story short, um, I've always felt connected to the, you know, great spirit, uh, uh, the force, the God energy, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the, the divine spark. I've always felt connected to that aspect of, of, uh, of being. And so I, I always felt like everything in, in reality was, was in a reflection or a, an extension of me. I didn't see people as separate as me. I didn't see the animals or the plants or the trees or the earth as, as separate entities in myself. I saw everything as one living network, very, very similar to the, the way the, Pandorians in the movie The Avatar um, were, in, you know, very similar to their mentality, pretty much how they interface with their ecosystem. So, unfortunately, I was programmed by my religious upbringing to kind of suppress all these these knowings, these abilities, because I, I was communicating with plants and animals. I was communicating with, well, I was reading people's thoughts, you know, thinking that was the norm. Um, when in essence, it wasn't obviously. <laughs> so right. I was always considered the weird one, you know, the black sheep of the family. Oh yeah. Even, I know all about that. <laughs> and even throughout my grade school, um, things were just, it was always hard for me to fit in, man. I just, I, I've, always, I've always disagreed with everything that they taught us. Um, the curriculum, you know, I became a nonconformist at an early age. Um, I rebelled against the system. Um, and we could say that a lot of this was because of the, the way they, they would really force their belief systems on me, you know, oh, yeah. it just didn't, wouldn't make any sense to me. So the whole point is I've always knew and I've always felt different and I knew I wasn't the only one. 
Yeah. So I wasn't until I was about 21 when I discovered Kriya Kundalini Yoga. I started meditating for the first time. Nice. Um, then after my religious programming kind of blocked me from, from, from all these abilities, all of a sudden they came back when I was 20, 21 as a result of my meditation practices. Nice. And thank you. And so I fell into the rabbit hole at an early age, you know. I think I was only like 17 when I first discovered about secret societies. You know, wow. I read about this book about how there's the secret societies are the one pulling the strings. Um, this was back in 1990, I would say 1994. That was a long time ago. You know, nobody yeah. really. You're I mean, uh, you're my age, I think. You're probably I don't maybe maybe like two three year difference. I don't know which way. I was born in seventy seven. Yeah, you're two years older than me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Similar generation. So, so as a kid, you know, I've always been kind of addicted to information. You know, I, I wanted to know more. So I started researching Plato's Republic. I started researching the philosophy of Pythagoras, Socrates, um, and even some of the 18th century philosophers uh, like Kierkegaard, like Immanuel Kant, Frederick Nietzsche, mm -hmm. um, Frederick Schiller, who was pretty much one of my favorites because a lot of his philosophy was based in and around the idea of, of self um, empowerment and sovereignty. Yeah. And to me, that's what it, what it was always all about. So when I was a punk rocker, when I was 15, 16, you know, listening to punk rock and green day, <laughs> <laughs> wearing Dr. Martin's up to my knees. It was, oh yeah. It's not because I was rebelling against, you know, I was an anarchist, but I was it, it, to me, it wasn't about chaos and disorder. It was about equality and freedom and understanding individual rights. So, you know, that made sense to me, uh, not to mention, you know, the punk rocks uh, individuals were, were pretty much the only ones that accepted me for, for being quirky, for being awkward, yeah. being abstract, where everybody else in high school shunned me, you know. Um, I was a lone wolf, you know. I had to hang out in the custodian's, custodian's office half the time yeah. because I didn't want to be seen like the lone wolf, you know, it was embarrassing yeah. to have friends from, for the first three years of high school until of course I met my friend Curtis, who was the punk rocker and the punk rockers were all about equality and freedom. They didn't care about how odd you were, you know, so yeah. everybody <laughs> so, needs a, a group, a tribe, you know, but listen, well, you make, exactly. So, so the punk scene was my tribe. Definitely. I, I, I just want to say this. I know what it is to have to go against the grain, you know, and I know what it is to be the black sheep and it's, it, People, some a lot of people listening will also have a lot of empathy and, and will understand. But for people who who haven't, you know, experienced this, it takes a tremendous amount of courage and 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 coping in a lot of ways to kind of, you know, be that the one in your family, you know, who who is on this journey and who stays true to themselves on this journey. Which is a lot of people. I feel like maybe they're called, but they but they conform. You know, they end up going to, you know, law school for no reason other than they don't know what else to do with themselves. And the idea they had doesn't exactly appeal to this notion of financial and, and societal success. So, um, you know, I just want to, I just want to say it's awesome, you know, it's and and, and recognize that, that I'm sure that part of your journey was more difficult, than, especially growing up with the talents you had than people can imagine. So, um, Kudos to you, brother, you know, but I don't think people realize how difficult that journey can be. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of us relate, a lot of us who are in our tribe, you know, those that are uh, nonconformist awakened, those that are no longer drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, perhaps 
relate in one way or another. Um, so I, I started writing my first book at the age of 21. <laughs> and that was the result of me understanding and deciphering the fact that everything that has ever happened in society, every event, um, was planned and orchestrated by these secret societies. Yeah. So in, in my first book, uh, which I self-published, it didn't really do as well as our my neck, my second book, Our Cosmic Origin. I mean, that one, it you know became a phenomena. You know, mm-hmm. it blew up. Yeah, but that's the one. Course, I, that's the one I have. Yeah, yeah the, Our Cosmic Origin. Yeah, yeah, that's more like tying it into the galactic stuff and everything, mm-hmm. um, and metaphysics and and a lot more. I mean, but the whole point is is my my first book was was self-published. I didn't really do that well because I, I didn't really have social media back then. This was, you know, b- even before uh, my MySpace, right? I think MySpace yeah. was before Facebook. MySpace was first, yeah. Yeah. So this was right before, I think it was around the time MySpace came into the scene. I had just published my book. But back then, because I was a hermit, all I wanted to do is just stuff my, my head in, in, in reading. What was your first book about? It's revealing the secret societies of, okay. of you know, the Illuma, you know. It might have been ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to republish that book because now, you know, it seems like now that everybody, due to the Great Awakening of 2016 Q, yeah. now it seems like everyone's catching on to how we've been duped and what's really been going on. So now that book would probably be a hit. But back in 2008, when I first published our se- The Secret Government, you know, people were calling me a conspiracy theorist, you know, oh, yeah. how dare you say 9-11 was an inside job? Damn you. I'm like, <laughs> the evidence like, is there. <laughs> yeah. You should take it back. You should rewrite it with everything you know now, because I'm sure you could add to it tremendously um, <laughs> and, and, and publish it as a, as a 2.0 version, because I'm sure that, you know, you know a lot more now than you did when you first wrote it. And a lot more has come to light, you know? Um, and it would be, and now you have that first, you know, our cosmic origin had a lot of success. So now you have a fan base. So you could, I, I don't know, just the thought I had, you know, you should, you should might want to think about it. I think it would work. It would, it would, that would be amazing. I never thought about that. I just thought about recuperating my disc who I have to actually have to, I had to pay some guy to look for it. Um, unfortunately I didn't end up with any copies. You're thinking, how can you write a book and not end up with no copies? Well, I published it with 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 a friend, and he kept the the disc. Well, I haven't had, I I didn't keep in, in contact with him until recently. I finally found his number, and so he had to. I don't yeah. know. He had to go through a lot to get that disc. Apparently, it was now in the hands of of the person who edited the book. So it was like a goose chase, you know. Just oh boy, yeah. Disc. Yeah. So I'm thinking about publishing it, republishing it. And, and like you said, I should probably add and modify it based on what I know now. Yeah, you could. Um, but a lot of the knowledge that I have actually accumulated since I published The Secret Government is, is now cosmic and galactic. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, you know. Yeah. I, well, I mean, that would be a fascinating yeah. intermeshing of the, of the two because, you know, you, 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 have, you have a greater expansion of awareness now. And so you're, yeah. you're, you're tying things in to not just what's happening on the planet but also how it correlates to you know as above so below because of course you know there's we are connected to everything and i mean one of the things that struck me you know when i came across your book and your videos is your positivity um and and, you know because there's so much doom and gloom out there and it's Mm -hmm. very easy to fall into that obviously you know for a billion reasons, you know, with what's going on, you know, and I recently, I recently talked to uh, Jason Bastler, who I'm sure you, you might've heard of about this. And this is a guy who 
I mean, he had his whole life turned upside down. Facebook hit him with, he was hit with that big purge where, you know, they, I think that they, they used Trump to usher in the censorship regime. And then I think it was 2016 that they just took down every, you know, it was like, I don't know. He, but he lost a lot in the big purge. He had, he had a full-time staff. They were, they had millions and millions of of followers across all the platforms, but you know, he could have thrown in the towel, but he kept going um, in pursuit of truth. And, and he kept, you know, he keeps them at, even though he's always disclosing something that is like, Hey, in case you didn't know, <laughs> he's, he also finds a way to keep it positive. And I see your work is kind of in the same light. You're a realist, um, but you see a bright future and you see inspiration. And, and I'm wondering where, where do you find it's, you know, in, in, in a world as dark as this with genocide, Joe in charge, you know, it's, it's, and what's going on over in the Middle East. It's just, where do you find this positivity from? Where do you find your inspiration from? Well, it comes from within, you know, it's, it's having that inner knowing of things, despite of what it appears to be, which is a false lie. You know, we are living in, in a Mickey Mouse show the way I see it now, you know, and everything's scripted. So it's, it's really just knowing beyond that and understanding that there is a higher power, whether you call it God, the source of the divine. And because there is uh, this divine intelligence, uh, this divine intelligence also has an agenda and it also has a plan for us. And so in understanding that um, and also in uh, understanding the deep prophecies that I was able to um, read upon uh, when I did my, you know, dive deep into the rabbit hole research for many years, um, I've came to, I've come to understand that um, there is a positive future for humanity. There is a positive future and that positive future, whether we see it or not, is actually unfolding. It's been unfolding. You know, you have to be, you have to be very optimistic. Uh, you know, things could have been worse. You know, people, Sometimes oh, yeah. forget that, uh, you know, what what's happening right now is is really just designed to wake as many people up first and foremost, but also understand that things could have been worse. They could have literally gone around everyone's homes, knocking on their door and making sure that they got the, you know what I mean? The yeah. Poison, yeah. The poison in their body. And they could have just sure, done that. Could have went they, that far. Yeah. Um, it, you know, they could have already, you know, arrested uh, people for going against, yeah. you know, the mainstream. And the only reason why none of that happened is because the forces of light are as prevalent and counteracting the forces of darkness. It is an interdimensional warfare. You know, mm. we read about how we're dealing with forces and principalities that are not from this world. So it doesn't compass other levels of reality. And based on my vast knowledge um, as I was able to access intergalactic records and cosmic information, um, I, you know, the war has already been won in these higher realities. Therefore, it's just a matter of time before we see that manifest or taking place here in our reality. Yeah. And because I have that understanding, um, I know that there is a bright future. You know, um, nothing happens for for. Um, no. There are nothing no accidents. Happens. That's for sure. Yeah. You you just read my mind. Everything mm -hmm. is divinely orchestrated you know there was a reason why 45 didn't win second election you know um and but he is coming back and he's and, and it is believed that he's coming back before 2024 and that's the good news you know everything happens for a reason you know the fact that he won in 2016 which was a which was a huge 
uh, setback for the globalist Absolutely. was the indicator that, you know, there, there are good guys. It's not just the cabal. You know, the cabal does have a, a, a long-term memory and that you could actually trace this battle back to, you know, Babylon, back to Egypt. Yeah. I and yeah. to be technical, Faust, you know, you could actually trace it back to Atlantis, Lemuria. For those that don't believe that there were prehistorical, pre-diluvial civilizations, which were, by the way, more advanced than what we are today. I mean, you know, that's part of the disclosure, of course. There's different layers of it. Yes. It's all coming, you know. But the whole point is that this 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 battle has been going on for for you know millions and millions of years. And what I've done in in my book, Our Cosmic Origin, is that I was able to describe uh, a detailed explanation of this galactic war between, I guess, what the Bible would call the angels and the fallen angels, which is what I corresponded beautifully in my book as the Lyrans and the reptilians of the Draco star system. So, mm -hmm. The negative, the negative Lyrans. There's probably, yeah, there's probably some good ones. I think, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've heard different things, but, uh, well, yeah, some Lyrans did fall. They fall they, into the service to self mentality. They were seduced by the reptilians yeah. and they kind of defected from the, you know, the concept of uh, unity consciousness and decided to defect from the light. Um, so that was a small portion of them, but you know, yeah, they've been dealt with as well. <laughs> yeah, and I, you're the second person who I, no, third person I think in the last few weeks who I've heard talk about the fact that um, <laughs> that apparently we've got our reptilian problem, our our Draco problem under control. Um, which I was like, really? <laughs> I mean, I, I I hope that's true. I, it's just, I of course, it's not an accident that. The, the third person that I've heard say this in like two weeks and it's come to my attention. And I was like, you know, but each time I hear it, I'm like, wow, there's such, you know, there's such an old ancient race of beings. And I know, you know, listen, I know that earth may not be the hill they want to die on. You know, this is a, this is a sacred site, you know, and I, and there are powers that are far beyond theirs as advanced as they are, you know? Uh, but so it's not, it's not, I'm not saying I, I don't believe it. I'm just saying I was surprised to learn it. And I, and I think that, I think that's what you're saying as well, that we've, that we've already kind of taken care of that. And, and, and at least that part, you know, of, of our underground problem here, is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, it's, they've been, you know, this huge house cleansing has been going on for, for thousands of years in our planet, but off world, I mean, you know, at one point this battle between the negative ETs and the positive ETs um, was going on for billions of years, uh, just alone in our universe. And I've come to discover that um, this war actually translated from a pre-existing universe yeah. that was known as the 11th creation. So we're part of the 12th creation. That's where our local universe hangs with our galaxy and our planet, and, you know, but there, there were prior creations before our creation. And I think science has uh, recently, um, you know, been tapping into that knowledge and understanding, which yeah. is awesome. So, yeah, I mean, this, this whole war is now coming to an end. And, you know, this is the last battleground. Earth is the greatest show on Earth right now, the greatest showcase planet yeah. throughout the multiverse. You know, all eyes are on us. Um, and that's yeah. exciting that, you know, we are at the finish line. I, 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 um, you know, it's always comforting when I, when I, when I hear that, um, 
And I cannot, for everyone listening, let me just tell you that this man has put so much information in his book. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, and it's, you know, anything, everything that explains our evolution, history, the organization of, of our universe and the, and the metaverse, you know, and I want to talk about some of the highlights, but before we get into that, you know, I'm, I'm curious, my friend, how, how you, you know, tell everyone who, who is interested and looking to make the same kind of connections that, that you have and that, that, that many who have come before us have, um, from discoveries of ancient wisdom, you know, was it, was it a download? Was it, you know, were you able to tap into the Akashic records as, as many people call them, you know, this, this, because, you know, what you learn when you really get into this and, and learn to quiet your mind and, and, and meditation, you start to understand how the knowledge is there. It's all there already. Everything that has happened and is going to happen. And, you know, there, there are, there are these records, right. Yeah. And some people call it a download and other people, you know, the, people have different names for it, but, um, how did you, how did it come about for you? Was it, how would you describe it? Um, for me, it was more about just rekindling what I always knew as a kid, you know, being fully awake in starseed. Um, for those who don't know what a starseed is, a starseed is a terminology that was uh, actually uh, first mentioned by Dolores Cannon, who is pretty much the founder of all this, you know, information to some extent, of course, I add to it. But um, it, it is a volunteer soul from the higher dimensions. Uh, some people would equate the higher dimensions with the realms of heaven. You know, the higher we go up in frequency, the more uh, paradise-like the plant, the environment is. Right now, we happen to be in the lowest of, of, of these dimensions in the most in condensed. In case you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah, you know, which is what they call hell on earth, right? But um, the whole point is, um, you know, a starseed is a person who volunteered from the higher dimensions, the higher realms. Um to come down into this third dimension to kind of help the planet ascend. And so um, I've always kind of known that, you know, and when I first discovered her work, I think I was about 22 years old, but also at the same time, I had an experience where I was telepathically communicating with my galactic self, which oversees one of the motherships. Um, we call it the uh, Athena mothership. <laughs> well, that's what I call it, what they call it. But I was getting transmissions. I was getting transmissions about the Galactic Wars, memories of, of me and Lyra. So in Lyra, you know, I do remember being part of the Council of Twelve. And right before uh, we were attacked by the reptilians of Orion, uh, this was when there was peace in the galaxy be be before, you know, we plunged, uh, before we ended up, um, I guess, being part of a, of a full-scale Galactic War, when there was still peace. All these memories were coming back as to how life was, back then. And I do remember clearly the day when the reptilians showed up to my planet and they literally just launched a full out attack. Yeah. There was a, there was a massive genocide. A massacre. Yeah. Total. Like one of the most abominable, you know, I, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've heard it told, um, many times, but it's, I, you know, it's just apparently it left a big, ugly scar you know on this cosmos and every and every sentient being that you know comes into this knowledge is made aware of what the reptilians you know i, I guess i it was the draco i should be specific um what, what they did to to lyra to which was a very you know for the most part a a a young species at the time they they had a lot of agriculture they had a lot of um 
but they were very peaceful people. Um, they were in ways more advanced than we are now. Um, yet the, the Draco came and they saw what they had. And I think they tried to negotiate a deal and the Lyrans were a little confused about what it is they wanted. And mm-hmm. they took that as an offense and they fucking, they, they literally blew the planet up. I think but they did. I, yeah. they did. Right. It's just yeah, atrocious. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's crazy. It's just crazy how, how, you know, how one race of beings can go around and cause problems on so many planets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing to me how that happens. Yeah. Well, they, they, they do this to uh, hundreds of thousands of systems, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, even before they reach the uh, constellation of Lyra or the system of Lyra, um, they were already doing this uh, prior to that, you know, for a few hundred thousand years, they had, Expanded their empire from uh, lower the lower belt of Orion, which is the, well where their star system is, the Regal. They expanded their empire over to the Capella system, uh, the Beetlejuice system. Um, they took over the Rambola system, which is what we call Zeta Reticula one and two. That's where mm-hmm. the grades come from, right? So yeah. they immediately, upon taking over these other systems, they would immediately subdue the races by genetically mutating them and mm-hmm. controlling their thoughts through remote control frequencies, which is exactly the same tactic that they're, they've been trying to do to us, yeah. you know, through the their you know fa- puppet families, whatever you want to call them, yeah. <laughs> for for many hundreds of years now. So it's a it's a good name yeah. for them. They're, they're puppet families, yeah. They're puppet families, yeah. Yeah the 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 blue the blue bloods. Well, that's yeah. what they call themselves, you know. Yeah. But I, uh, they should be called the the red bloods. I, I don't know why, but you know, when I think of the color red, it's associated with the Sith Lord with, you know, the dark side of the force, the Luciferian yeah. uh, principle. You, you know, it, it just, it's just crazy that this whole incredible race of beings called human, mm-hmm. how truly all of us, you know, ha- have been gifted and, and are chosen and are, are, are in, in a great way, kind of galactic royalty because of these incredible races that came together with this idea that was in, in, in essence an idea of peace you know mm-hmm. how, because how do you how do you create peace well if 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 the lyrans are part of the andromedans and are part of the arcturians and the Palladians, the, all of a sudden now we have a child together it's like you know what i mean it's like so you have more reason to get along than ever mm-hmm. and i feel like this experiment you know that's what we are we're this incredible mix of DNA from from the best parts of of the galaxies around here, and uh, and and instead you you know you have it, you've had a few people become convinced you know through nefarious whisperings in their ear that they are the ones you know, and and they've been shown how to create this you know stronghold on the rest of us. And convinced everyone that they are this, you know, this, this royal line as if, as if their genetics are, are in any way different than most people's, you know, it's just, uh, it just boggles my mind how, how, how the, the world has been hoodwinked by these people and no one has realized we're making it all up and we could change it anytime we want. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's nuts. Exactly. Well, I've always believed that they suffered from a a high concentration of, of reptilian genetics and that's what makes them uh, do what they do. You know, a lot, a lot of the, the reason uh, we are the way we are, um, 
how we think, uh, what motivates us, um, our, our actions, our motives, they all stem from the genetic programming. It's all within our genetics. However, we do have the power to override that as proven through Dr. Joe Dispenza, you know, Absolutely. We have the power to reset and re, um, what would they call it? Gene signaling, right? Epigenetics. Yeah. Epigenetics. Yeah. Through the power, through epigenetics, we have the power to rewrite our own genetic material, which is very true. Absolutely. And the difference between these so-called, I don't even want to call them elite families. Let's no. just say families that suffer from a high concentration of draconian, you know, genetics. The reason that they're so up, up and on their chair and they, they think that, you know, everyone else is cattle, right? They treat us like cattle. Yeah is because of the creation myth that was imprinted upon them uh, by the, the draconians themselves during the days of Atlantis. You know, during the days of Atlantis, mm-hmm. there was a huge hybridization program, by the way, that wow. gave birth to these, you know, so-called elite families. But what I've discovered, Faust, is that they, they've done this in many different worlds and on yeah. many different systems. Before they hijacked our planet during the days of Atlantis, they hijacked our solar system through the Mars colony. Hmm. And there is evidence for us that humans did live on Mars millions of years ago. Yep. We dried up riverbeds, um, evidence of uh, bacteria still living, you know, on Mars, evidence that there used to be an atmosphere on Mars, and more importantly, pyramidal structures. Absolutely. And even a man face on Mars. <laughs> I saw, I've seen it. And, I, and there, you know, there are some things that are just, I'm like, how can you possibly point to that? And, and say it has naturally occurred. It, you know, it is clearly a structure. Look at all the 90 degree angles. You know, I mean, like it's, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's amazing how people see what they're, what they're told they see and not what would be common sense. Otherwise we see it. I see it so often, but, um, absolutely dude. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think it's, for me, it's hard to look at Mars and not see all that, you know, granted I've, I've, I've learned what to look for and, and, and what I'm looking at, um, as opposed to, you know, what we're taught, which is, um, you know, a bunch of BS, you know, about the moon and Mars and, and even Venus, you know, I, I, I truly think that our solar system, you know, earth is, was the last stop. You know, I think that Mars and Venus came first in a lot of ways. Um, they did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you want, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. That's a fascinating well, if you consider the fact that the Venusians have been evolving for two billion years, well, if they if they were if their civilization began two billion years ago, obviously they they were the first civilization here in our solar system. You know, I think now they were able to evolve all the way to the ninth dimension. So now, as we are receiving help from our Venetian brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. They're actually stepping down in frequency all the way from the ninth dimension, at least, you know, into the third dimension, materializing physical forms. And that's something that we're going to also do as we move up the ascension, you know, ladder of densities as we go into higher frequencies. So the Venusians have always been here for us. In fact, they are the most involved race out of all the different positive races out there. They are the most involved race in the liberation and rescue mission of the earth. You know, a lot of people like to credit the Pleiadians for that, you know, or the Arcturians, but yeah. nobody really talks about no. Balfour, you know, Balfour was the one who, you know, initiated the great plan with Eisenhower. You know, Eisenhower didn't sell us out to the grace. That was actually proven. 
you know. Oh, it was Truman. Oh. Yeah, it was Truman, yeah. And unfortunately, by the time Eisenhower got into office. The deal was, was made. The deal was already made, yeah. Shit. Through the, you know, MJ-12 and military industrial complex, our country was already controlled by the Zeta Gray Reptilian Alliance. Right, right. That's, that's, I, I always, for some reason, I always thought it was that Eisenhower was approached, you know, w- with this, with this, and I think it was the Ven- the Venusians who, who came and said, we can, we can show you how to create an environment where everyone has the energy that they need. You know, we can give you this, but we, but we're asking it. And all we would ask is for you to be, is for you to take the lead in dismantling the w- nuclear weapons. And of course, whether it was Truman or Eisenhower, you know, they would have, Eisenhower might have at least been able to consider it, but Truman was owned, you know, he was put in charge by, you know, a a very specific group of people we've been talking about. He would have never been able to say, sure, let's do that. Because he would have known it would have been the collapse of, of all the industry strongholds, the monopolies. And then the way I heard it told was, then the next group that came was was the greys you know sent by the reptilians say, saying listen we'll trade you some technology but all we all we want is to be able to you know take x amount of people per year is that cool and they were like yeah you could take our people shit you know it's the united states government they were like yeah sure but then i but then i heard that they of course, betrayed their end of the deal. They were taking mm-hmm. way more people than than they said they would. And of course, you had other ET races with not good intentions saying, oh, did you hear what's up? You know, like we can go down. They're never going to know. And and so they were taking people um, and it just became a shit show. And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about like, it's no wonder these assholes are trying to use their technology to blow everything out of the sky that comes, you know, that materializes in our atmosphere. They probably... At this point, they don't know who to trust that, you know, it's, I mean, I'm not making excuses for our, our, the hostility coming from our governments on this planet, but you know, if that's what happened, I'm sure it became a free for all, you know, you know how they do it. Yeah, it, that's absolutely true. That was known as the, uh, gray Atta treaty, the gray Atta treaty, which was signed by Truman and the grace, not Eisenhower, by the way, wow. um, and unfortunately, that treaty was broken by the Grace many of times. In fact, uh, they were still abducting women up until 2019, believe it or not. Damn. Yeah. I, I went on a book tour in the last couple months, and I had an opportunity to actually meet uh, a couple of females who have been used as surrogates in these programs, where wow. they literally they, they, they were literally used to, to give birth to human-slash-gray hybrids which have actually been taken off world to a planet called Serpo. Uh, and so they're, what they're doing is they're waiting, they're waiting for the ascension to take place because these hybrids, um, because of their alien genetics, if they can't live in our atmosphere until the earth is in a higher frequency, which oh, is in wow. the fourth density or fifth density. So it is believed that they are going to return um, once the earth is in, in its new you know, frequency vibrational field of reality. So, so are these, these women that you met, are, do they have any, I mean, I mean, they, I'm sure they have, if, if a woman gives birth, then it's, it usually is a physiological change in the body. I'm sure they have that, but is there any other signs they have or, or, or physical, I mean, I guess it would just be like a, would be, it would be impossible to know because it's a birth. It's just a birth, you know? Um, but 
man, that's, that's, you know, I did hear, I have heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just heard that, you know, it, for the most part, the grays that are coming around, you gotta be very careful with, you know, with, with the grays, because there's so many variations of them. Some of them are, are, are literally like puppets of the rep of the Draco of the reptilians, you know, mm-hmm. others are working with or for other, you know, it's, I just heard there's a lot of, you gotta be very careful, you know, I guess that that's what I heard if you, cause you don't know what, which gray, which kind of gray you're getting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, one of the best things that I always tell people to, to uh, watch out for is, uh, uh, pay attention to your feeling. Like when you are having an encounter and I understand that some of these encounters take place when you're in bed and your body becomes paralyzed and all you can do is see, but you can't move or anything. And that's, a, that's something that they do. It's, it's, it's a technology that they use to paralyze your body. Mm. They paralyze your body. Chances are that that's a negative gray. That's either a small robotic gray, which is known as a program life form, which is by the way, what these, you know, negative aliens use to do their bidding when they can't come into a uh, world where the ecosystem doesn't sustain their particular body. They send these, you know, robotic program life forms to do, to do their bidding. And one of the things that they do is they do paralyze people, you know? Um, And so they either want to abduct you to genetically explore your, you know, to experiment with your genetics, or they want to extract eggs from you. If it's a woman, Mm. Or so we have to be very careful. You know, we have to, um, I always tell people before you go to sleep, always like protect yourself, call upon your angels, your guides, whatever you have to do, put a shield around you, you know, and, and do that every single night before you go to sleep. Because if if you do work, uh, with your angels and your spirit team, they're there to serve you. All you Mm -hmm. have to do is give the invocation, give the order. And I guarantee you, your, your angels are going to always protect you from any negative encounters, you know? Um, yes, they just need an invitation. So the invitation. invitation, yeah, you know, there is this. I'm not religious or anything, but there's this biblical quote that says, you know, even the angels were meant to serve you. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, you know, I don't know what you want to call them, you know, but these servants of the one infinite Creator, yeah, uh, are all around us. Every single one of us is born with a with a team, a team of helpers, and all we have to do is build a relationship with them through a meditation prayer mm-hmm. or any other spiritual practice. Again, you know, this is not religion. This is just universal understand uh, spiritual universal understanding of things, uh, including everyone mm-hmm. um, and, and put them to work, you know, give the orders uh, and they will work for you. You know, sometimes yeah. we forget how, that, that we have that ability, that we have that power to command, you know, yes, to command. Our guides do things for us, yeah, and protect us. We have this, and I think I, I blame religion, you know. We, we have this crazy notion, you know, uh, that we have to plead and beg and that we're, because, and it comes from the, the indoctrination of you're not worthy, you know, original <laughs> sin and all this, this crazy stuff that they teach us. Um, and, and what damage it does to a psyche, to a, to a self-esteem, to a sentient being to be taught that they're not worthy mm-hmm. to that, you know, and it talks them out of their God-given rights, which is, you know, which is exactly what we're talking about. You know, they're, they're, you, you're not being, um, you know, you, you're here to command. You know, it's not, you're, you're not doing it in the, like as a tyrant would do it. It, 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 it. That is your way of asking and that, and that is your way of inviting, you know, and it is within your power to do so. Um, it's not, um, 
you know, it, it's not offensive to these beings that, that they are here for that, you know, and, and, and the God in us, you know, works with the God in them. We are all part of, part of the same source. And so I'm just encouraging people, you know, stop praying like an old Catholic lady and, and, and begging and pleading and crying and hoping and start commanding with your God given soul and God given right and your love of this. And things will happen a lot faster than if you beg, borrow and plead <laughs> like a old lady in church. Agree. I couldn't agree anymore. That's exactly how it works. my friend. Yeah. Yeah. So in your book, you know, you prophesy a superhuman race that will come uh, as, as a consequence of uh, sp spontaneous evolution. And it's going to utilize, you know, this, what scientists have ridiculously labeled junk DNA. And, you know, of course, some of us know what that DNA is waiting to unfurl and where it comes from all these incredible races of, of, of beings. Um, but so I, I would love for you to explain what you think is happening um and what those you know like and this kind of like what those of us with neurological differences like that we're seeing like autism and adhd like well how does that come into play um with 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 this transformation that's going to happen well i i hope uh people don't get offended but a lot of the volunteers that are down here at this time uh trying to uh, work with these you know dense avatars um, are wired differently. And so a lot of us have ADHD. Um, I'm going to be the first to admit, my friend, I do have ADHD, you know, mm -hmm. and I probably rate on the spectrum of autism. I'm not sure, but I, I've been told that I was high functioning, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter because, you know, th those are the ones that are like um, going to be the first ones to activate, you know, because they're already uh, using more dormant DNA. So it turns out that when scientists mapped out our genome, they, couldn't understand that only 4% of the genetic material was functioning and the other 96% wasn't. Well, based on other records that I was able to access, it, it appears that that 96% of our genetic material is our celestial DNA. It, it is crystalline based. It is etheric, uh, subtle type of uh, double diamond. They call it even more advanced than crystalline. Uh, it is what they call the silica matrix, not silicone. We're not machines mm -hmm. here. Right. Silica matrix. <laughs> and then, of course, they say that even um, a certain percentage of our genetics is so advanced. Uh, and this is where we get the concept of the 144, right? The 144. Mm. Uh, most people think it's just 144 individuals. Um, and even the Jehovah's Witness think that. But it's, it, it's not that. It's millions of us that are part of, of this new genetic uh, program that was designed by the many different celestial races. Again, we are the potpourri, the amalgamation of all these races, uh, genetics put into one spot. And that explains why we have so much potential mm -hmm. and why our um, abilities are going to supersede all those that have come before us. So there is a part of our DNA called the God source gene, which I talk about a lot. And that's the ability to access the realms of eternity while maintaining physical form. Well, my friend, that is something that's never happened in the history of the cosmos. Mm -hmm. we, we are that race. You know, that's how unique we are. And so one of the chapters in my book, uh, I call it the rise of uh, Homo nauticus, which is the terminology that scientists use to describe the next stage of human evolution, Homo superior. And what they mean by that is that based on sudden past 
spontaneous evolutions that have taken place, uh, you know, in the past, right, from Homo erectus to mm -hmm. Cro-Magnum, from Cro-Magnum to Homo sapiens sapiens. Well, they, they saying that that is about to happen again and that it has a lot to do with something within our dormant DNA that is getting ready to switch on. And the reason they use the term Homo nauticus is is because they don't want to call it human angels. They don't want to, you know, integrate or align with religion or spirituality because yeah. they're scientific. So they have to use these scientific terms to describe what they are pretty much. Um, I want to I want to use the word um, foreseeing rather the coming of this new breed of of people that are already living among us. Well, I I was able to tie it into the idea that these people are here. And they, that they are the star seeds, the star adults now, you know, because a lot of us are in our 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, right? Some of the first uh, volunteers came in in the 40s and 50s, um, which puts them in that range. But the whole point is what they're expecting, what they're talking about as this next stage of human evolution are no other than the star celestials, the star people in human form that are now in the millions. Mm. And so, except I, I always say that, you know, we're going to be like physical angels. We're still going to maintain physical form, but we're going to have these amazing abilities. We're going to be able to communicate telepathically once again. Uh, we're going to be able to affect reality with our mind. It's called telekinesis. Um, some of us are going to be able to teleport. Some of us are going to be able to fly and defy gravity because uh, we're going to be connected with the unified, right, the unified field. And then some of us are going to have the ability to control weather control you know harness electricity through our hands like people Susan are doing it now people are doing people some people are doing it now maybe not on a tv show for your entertainment but i mean where do you think the word levitation comes from you've heard about monks levitating yeah, maybe exactly. maybe they're not consciously doing it but they're but but it's happening to their bodies you know and i and i know people who have experienced this in meditation on more than one occasion and and not only in meditation, but in their in their walking life, in certain in certain states of complete and utter, you know, bliss. So, and and I know people who it, the, the, after meditation they're not allowed to, to, to turn the lights on because they literally zap the they, they they blow a fuse. They're not allowed near their laptop because they become so electric after yeah. after they go into these long meditations. When we go on retreats. They're not allowed to touch the lights. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. So no, I believe these, you. <laughs> these abilities are, yeah. they're you know, they're in us, and and they're already manifesting. So what, what I just want to tell everyone who's listening that, you know, this is not far fetched. You know, this is already arriving. It, you know, it's like a, you know a snow shower here, a snow shower there, but pretty soon it's going to be much more prevalent. Yeah, exactly. And uh, due to the CMEs that are coming in, I don't know if you are, are keeping track of uh, these powerful uh, coronal mass ejections. It is believed that uh, these coronal mass ejections are actually communicating with our bodies at a cellular level, causing new codons to come on, new strands to unfold. It's literally um, giving us a new mathematical sequence where, you know, all of a sudden overnight, you know, a lot of us are going to wake up and we're going to have these x-man abilities and that day was prophesied about you know it has, it's not just being predicted by a certain group of scientists who are seeing this unfolding based on past past uh jumps spontaneous evolutions mm -hmm. but they're also predicting this based on ancient prophecies and oracles 
um, that talked about how at the end of a cycle, at the end of the what they call the great cycle, which isn't any any day now, right? Everybody thought it was 2012, but you know we're even operating under a different timekeeping system that was yeah. imposed by the cabal, <laughs> right? They call it the Gregorian calendar, right? Based, um, missing a few real, things, <laughs> but based on the real calendar, when they, when they were referring to at the end of the cycle in these ancient oracles before they were edited and modified by you know religion, they said that a new breed of of angels. And angelics, females too, would emerge among the already existing race. And in some cases, some people um, translated them as the return of the gods and goddesses at the end of the cycle, that there would be a new set of gods and goddesses that will not come from the sky this time, but that would emerge from the already existing human race, which is the genetic mutation that a lot of us are undergoing, a lot of volunteers that are down here. So, you know, it, it kind of corresponds beautifully with what science has been saying for the last 40 years. Yeah, that's that's in incredible. You know, you talk about um, this idea of involution in your book, uh, um, of ascending and descending, and mm -hmm. and at, as it relates to light beings and dimensionality. So for, you know, some of my listeners are going to know what I'm exactly what I just said, and, and many of them are going to be wondering what those things are. So I, I was wondering if, if, if you could walk us through, you know, what, what, you, what you mean when, cause it's, it can be different for some people. Um, what you mean when you use this terminology uh, and, and how it fits into, um, you know, the infinite metaverse as you describe it. Well, evolution is from, it's going up in frequencies. It's, that's what we're under, we're experiencing at this time, right? Which is the second yeah. phase of, of this cosmic, um, unfolding the first phase of the cosmic unfolding is the involution which is from the top down which is we started off as eternal luminous beings of light and through the gradual condensing of our vibrational frequency we started becoming more denser and denser and denser so right now we happen to be in the most densest of frequencies where matter seems to be almost like frozen right that's what they call it you know uh, hard matter yeah. so that's the involutionary process is us starting off as luminous beings of light and through a long descent, we were able to manifest into physical forms. And the most congealed of them all is this body of flesh and bones. Mm -hmm. You know, we do have different avatars on higher dimensions that are more subtle that where the matter is more refined and um, you're able to manipulate things because you're more connected to your spirit. So right now we are experiencing the second phase of this cosmic descent. So the cosmic descent is really the one going into the many, right? As we are part of an om oversoul, right? An omni mind, which is what we call the mind of God. Um, at the highest level of reality, that still exists. And that is also what scientists call the unified field, which is everywhere at once. Well, that's the mind of God. You know, the God, the mind of God is the unified force. So the descent is us becoming fractals or breaking off from the oneness of that singular consciousness into these individualized units of consciousness. That's what I call the descent of spirit into matter. We become many. But now we're expressing our, or we're experiencing the uh, return, the return of the individualized units of consciousness as they begin to integrate back into that singular mind. And that is the ascension. So that is the difference. That's a, that's a really beautifully put and and what's what's what what i find even more fascinating and just astounding is if you if you understand 
how advanced and old, ancient, you know, um, and highly evolved the, the races that, that came together to create this are, you know, and then the fact that they're way up here and, and they have taken, you know, their, their DNA of the, the physical matter that, that comprises them and they put it together. And they, you know, obviously there must have been a lot of thought and a lot of time that had to go into this, you know, meshing of, of us. And now we start way down there with, with, you know, the, the, the best and most compatible parts of these extremely highly advanced, you know, on a whole nother level, um, beings. And so what's going to happen with this race called human? It's just it, it, the, the possibilities of what we are going to do as a race are endless. And that's why we got, you know, everyone has front row seats that, you know, that's why we have so many different beings and, and, and a lot of spectators going on because look at what we're doing. I mean, like, you know, clearly we're still figuring it out. You know, if you look around the planet, you realize that there's a lot of things we, we still have to learn, but our capacity, um, I think is just infinite, absolutely infinite. A hundred percent brother. It is. And, and what do we, what should we expect as we reach our full abilities is to be even more powerful than the creator gods themselves, all the angelics, all the ETs, uh, where we are literally just right underneath prime creator source. Because the initial uh, idea that motivated these highly evolved beings to create us was that our entire multiverse was at war with AI. So they oh, wanted God. to create a super being that would one day exceed even the creator gods themselves uh, to a level of power unheard of before so that these super beings would eventually destroy what they call this cosmic virus, which is, you know, um, what we're fighting ultimately. It's mm. not the reptilians that we're at war with. Those are just the reptilians serve the AI, right? Yeah, you know, they serve the AI. Exactly. You know, the, the real villain is the machine. You know, that's wow. the ultimate enemy. And when you study uh, Rudolf Steiner's Theosophy and Madame Blavatsky and, and you get into some of the esoteric philosophy uh, and the Gnostic literature, they all talk about the Ariman energies, the energies of the Antichrist, the king mm -hmm. of the Asuras, which is the Ariman, and how, in essence, we have always been at war with the Ariman. Well, I've always believed, and this has actually been confirmed by many other researchers, other than myself, even, even though I was the first one to kind of like, you know, disclose it into the limelight when I first came to the scene, is that the AI God that whistleblowers um, that are defecting from the secret space, space programs to reveal that that's what we're fighting in the multiverse, yeah. right? And they are above the Draco, you know, many people have confirmed that, is no other than the, the entity known as the Ariman, the king of the Archons. The king of the Archons hmm. influenced the mind of Lucifer, who was then known as Samana, who was the overseer of the 11th creation. So this 11th creation existed billions and billions of years ago, way before the 12th creation came into the scene. So what we're dealing with here is we're dealing with the aftermath of a war that took place in a prior creation, hmm. even before the existence of our own universe. So and we're they just- They don't want it to happen. They don't want it to go down that way again. So no, they, they don't. Have, yeah. so, so that's why they made us. They made us so that one day we would be so powerful enough that there would be no AI that could ever surpass us. Wow. 
And so, yeah, that's why the I've always believed that the final war is taking place at the end of the millennium. Not now. Right now, we are going to experience a, a some sort of a split in timelines yeah. where the good people of the earth go on this positive ascending, you know, timeline where there is no negative stuff. Um, and then there's going to be a dy dystopian technocratic timeline that's actually uh, been uh, created by the dark forces, all under the control of this AI God, by the way, who is operating from a parallel multiverse reality known as wow. the Phantom Matrix. Wow. And so, yeah, that's that's what that's, we're going to deal with at the end of the millennium. That's mind blowing. And but but it, I mean, but it makes sense to me in a lot of ways, and it resonates because. You know, I mean, if you when you understand that we are co-consciously creating our reality, you know, and then the rules of this planet, so to speak, you know, I mean, we we like to use that word rule. You know, we talk about, you know, the, the law or I should say law, you know, like the laws of gravity. But but let me at the same time, I say, but what about all, you know, when a mother picks up a car to to save her, her, her child or her baby who was about to be run over by it. What about when the, when the so-called laws of this reality no longer seem to have any effect? What happens in those moments? And of course, you know, the net you have the skeptics scrambling to explain, well, in a burst of adrenaline, I'm like, a burst of adrenaline, that car weighs 5,000 pounds. There's no adrenaline on the planet that can make, give her that strength. There is a divine source of that strength though, exactly. you know? Well, I've always believed that in situations like that, they, they tap into the, the unified field, which is what Star Wars calls the force. Yeah. And when you even consider how Yoda, this old you know master Jedi, was slow, was walking with the cane. But as soon as he tapped into the force, the guy was doing flips and yep. all kinds of stuff. You know, I have so. a Yoda tattoo on my leg. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I know. I, I, cool. I, I, he's my one of my favorite characters of all, of all time. Uh, yes, yeah, same here. <laughs> I love him. Um, but, but there's a lot to learn. And George Lucas was tapped into that when he wrote those movies. I mean, it's so funny. People just think like he's, of course, they're creative and they're imaginative, but they're also tapping into some of these records and some of these yeah. things that have happened. I mean, Star Wars, you know, a lot of the species in Star Wars resemble species that are out there. I mean, they, you know, yeah, we have a wonderful imagination, but it's, it's clued into what's out there. You know, um, I just think it's crazy. People don't make that connection, so to speak. You know, I'm sure there's a race of beings that are a lot like Yoda. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah. They're, um, I think that, I'm trying to think of what planet they come from, but there there is a planet in a system uh, within our galaxy where the beans are. They have the the spockety ears, mm -hmm. and they have green green skin, and they're like little. They they're like four five feet tall, which are like the Yoda people, you know. Yeah. So I'm sure they exist, you know. And it's funny that you mentioned Star Wars and George Lucas because the whole concept of Star Wars was um, related to the Orion Wars. You know, the Orion yes. Wars is a depiction of what Star Wars is because in Star Wars, you have the expanding Rakata Empire, right? This is George Lucas' interpretation. Right. You have the rebel resistance. Well, in Orion, you had the expanding Draconian Empire, and then you had the Black League of Orion, which was the human rebel resistance. I mean, this is real galactic history. Right. And again, you know, it's all in my book for those that haven't read it, but it's yeah. phenomenal. It's phenomenal the way these guys are able to draw 
from history that's no longer available to us, right? Mm-hmm. As our Earth has been quarantined from the rest of the galactic societies, and um, retrieve it, but explain it in their own way. Yeah. But the concept is the same. Yeah. T- tell everyone about the quarantine and, and and why it came about, what's going when it started, and what and what's going on with it. Because that's another you know point of interest that I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, or, or have heard a little bit about, but not, not quite enough. Well, it, it started when the uh, forces of light uh, about hundred thousand years ago, 200,000 years ago, they were trying to narrow the battle down and, and in order to preserve most of the galaxy, because uh, a lot of planets and star systems were being blown up. Like literally, I mean, they had technologies like the death stars, yeah. the death star where they would literally beam a planet implode its power generators and kaboom within seconds. Um, So in order to preserve most of the Milky Way, uh, what they did is they narrowed the battle down during the days of Atlantis to only this solar system. So about 50,000 years ago, uh, the Galactic Federation of Worlds, which is, again, the alliance of many advanced uh, interstellar and uh, interplanetary societies who banded together to resist the empire, um, as ordained by the Syrian High Council, who's like the Asgardians of the movie Thor, by the way. <laughs> There's right. a lot of truth to that. So they narrow the battle down to just this planet, and they, they kind of um, isolated this planet to, to kind of like pin them down here. But what ended up happening was um, Marduk, the son of Enki, w- which is also what the ancient Babylonians called Baal, right? Mm-hmm. Baal, which is the entity that has been ruling the Cabal for thousands of years, um, was trying to uh, usurp the control of the Galactic Federation by first taking control of the Stargates here on our planet because it was only through our Stargates that he was able to access other uh, systems within uh, the Pleiades and and then eventually access the entire galaxy because, you know, they were quarantined. But what, what happened was through the Enlil faction, uh, which is what they call the bad guy, but really it was all inverted. He was, the, he was Zeus. He was the good guy. Through the children of Zeus, let's just call him Zeus because mm-hmm. I'm sure people are familiar with Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, through the children of Zeus, uh, they were able to uh, detonate all of those uh, launching pads and stargates during those days. And that explains Saddam and Gomorrah and all the other ancient explosives that took place, you know, beyond the atom bomb. I mean, it's all there in the records of the uh, the Mahabharata when it talks about the ancient aerial wars between the gods, the sky gods. Well, it was the wars to control the stargates during ancient times. So, Is that when our planet in our solar system got blown up that, that made the asteroid belt? Um, no, that was uh, four million years ago. That's when our planet was Tiamat. So our planet is actually a remnant portion of, of that exploded planet again. Uh. Well, okay. even planets, you know, reincarnate. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so now the Earth is a lot smaller. <laughs> so and what ended up happening was the forces of light, um, the, the forces of light were able to just narrow down the battle. And through the lineages of Zeus, who was the, you know, the, uh, the guardian of the Earth during those days, uh, they were able to stop uh, Poseidon, who was Anki. So for those that didn't know the correlation between Enlil and Enki, Enlil was Zeus, Anki was Poseidon. Just different. Everybody knew him under different names. So Poseidon was trying to take over the world as he infiltrated Atlantis, right, through his 10 children. And this is where we get the concept of Lord of the Rings, right, the 10 ruling kings. Mm. And the, the that evil eye that they call Sor- Sauron yeah. is no other than the AI god. His name is Sauron, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all d- disclosure, right, Every in, in every movie. So what ended up happening was through Enki's children, in particular Marduk, 
um, they were able to assert the control of the earth, right? And that's when the dark forces took over the affairs of the earth. That's when Atlantis collapsed and they plunged us from a heightened state of consciousness into a lower state of consciousness, just a little bit above the primates in order to control us and enslave us, right? Uh, and so that's when they genetically manipulated us as Anki was the master geneticist. He downgraded us from 12 strands to only two strands. But the whole point is um, the forces of light. That's why able... our lives are shorter, right? That's why we oh, yeah, are, we're more prone to all, all these different kinds of illnesses and shit. It, it all came from this kind of uh, monkey wrench that was thrown in. And that's what, what people think of the, was that the, would that be the, the considered the Anunnaki who did that? The Luciferian Anunnaki, yeah. The Luciferian Anunnaki were the ones that always wanted to make us slaves to them because they didn't want to mine the gold, you know, so they wanted to create a slave race. So they took Atlantean DNA from our ancestors, by the way. Atlant the, the original Atlanteans were the 12-strand DNA Terranusian race. Hmm. And they took monkey genetics from Homo erectus. And then that's how they were able to downgrade our, our, our consciousness and our genetics by throwing us into a, an avatar that was less, uh, that was, yeah, you know, yeah. far more primitive and less intelligent. But to answer your question, that's when the, the earth became quarantine was when Marduk usurped control of the earth. Well, he, he really took control of Nibiru. He actually overthrew his, his grandfather Anu and Anu comes from the, the royal lineage of the king of Lyra, by the way, that's where the royal blood comes from. The original, not the Anunnaki, or not the uh, Draconian Luciferian Cabal. You know, they, they say that they're the royals, which are what we call today the Khazarians and the Z Zionists, right? right? Rothschild-run state of Israel. But right. this is uh, this is when when they usurp control of our planet by by first taking control of Nibiru. What so what Marduk did is he brewed. Tell everyone what Nibiru is, because a lot of people won't, won't know. <laughs> all right, so Planet Nibiru, according to all records, you know, even if you study Sekera Sitchin's translation, uh, the Earth Chronicle series, is where the Anunnaki come from. So their original name was the Niberians. And so that's the planet of the crossing. Uh, it's got it's um, got a 3,600-year elliptical orbit where it's in our solar system every 3,600 years. And there's the reason for that, you know, because when it's away from our solar system is actually it's patrolling other star systems. So this was when the, the, the Battlestar planet Nibiru was in, was working for the light before it was usurped, usurped and taken over by Marduk. So how did Marduk take it over? Is he brewed an army of clones on the deserted planet Mars in 2420 BC, right? This is around the time that they took over the affairs of our world. Right after the forces of light nuked, wow. you know, the different launching pads, the different stargates in order to keep Marduk and the Luciferian Anunnaki here intact so for for one final battle they didn't want that to go back to the galaxy they they you know for millions of years it took them a while to narrow down the galactic war to just our solar system yeah so um when marduk uh groomed this army of clones he, he used this army to overthrow literally anu and at that point enlil Zeus, um had left the scene because they needed him to go fight the war against the AI God. So you had Enlil Seuss, who was the progenitor of the, of the original Anuhasi race, which were the original Niberians before they were hijacked by Enki. Um, and then they, they, uh, he went and I, I guess Krishna and all the other gods, what we call the, you know, warriors of old, the deities of old, yeah. which were no other than the guardian races, by the way, right. they all left the scene to go fight the war against the AI God that was trying to infiltrate our universe beyond our galaxy. So that's why our world fell in the hands of Anki and his children, which, and then of course their descendants through the Cabal families. Right. So that's why our earth has been quarantined 
uh, from the rest of the galactic community for the last, you know, I, I would say few thousand years. But even, yeah, even 8,000 years ago, there was still a lot of inter interplanetary interaction taking place between us yeah. and other species. You know, we had ships coming to and from all the way up yeah. until maybe about 24, you know, something BC. And that's when Marduk took over the affairs of our world and, and the forces of light just had to quarantine us. So the quarantine was done by the good guys wow. in order to prevent his tyranny from spreading again across the two other parts of the galaxy. Fascinating. It makes sense but, though, you know, yeah. but now the quarantine is being lifted by the way. It is being lifted, right? Yeah. Which is the reason why you're going to start seeing some serious shit in the next few years. <laughs> and the reason why this, this drip disclosure that's happening now is, is all of a sudden so forthcoming and, and, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's still ridiculous that we, you know, the, the minuscule amount of information that these, that the government's allowing out. But I also think that they're not, they're, they're not unaware on some level of what's coming and they mm. know that the cat's kind of, the cat's scratching out of the bag either way. So all they can do is try to get ahead of it, which is what they always do. Try to get ahead of the, the decades of lies that they've told mm. in, in order to not look not be caught completely with their pants down. So they have like the, the slightest bit of plausible deniability. And so you have the space exactly. force and, you know, people are like, why do we have a space force? I'm like, dude, we've had a space force for a long time. Okay. You know, it's, they're just trying to go public with some of this stuff. But, wow. That's so it's just, but like, I'm wondering what's on Nibiru now, you know, and is it, when it comes back around, will it be in, like will Earth's, uh, I mean, like, I don't want to say astronomers because with the, with the telescopes that some of the most advanced ones have, they can see almost, they could see a lot, but will, will people on Earth be made aware of it when it comes around? And when does it do? Do you know? Well, people are already starting to see it. They see it as a second sun, which is a little oh. bit smaller than our sun. So there has been uh, pictures that have been circulating uh, through social media, TikTok, Instagram, people just capturing two suns. Well, the second sun that appears to be uh, slightly smaller, that's Nibiru making its way back to our solar system. And this time, uh, Nibiru has actually been recuperated. Um, as of 2001, Marduk stepped down. Well, he was forced to step down. And so ever since then, Nibiru has been recuperated by the, you know, the good guys, which is now the Galactic Alliance. Because now, you know, you know, even our Earth is now part of the Galactic Alliance, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I, I, it's about time. I can't wait for uh, <laughs> us to take our seat at the table, you know, um, in a in a conscious way instead of having all the secrecy. And look, you know, like I know that I, I understand that this planet, in a lot of ways, you know, has been sheltered, and um, you know, there, there's a lot of been, a, but. Part of that has to do with the amount of propaganda and indoctrination that we've allowed into our societies through government and, and religion, which religion essentially is government. You know, the religion on this planet anyway, as most people think they understand it, is nothing more than, than a sense of uh, an assemblance of a government, of a control mechanism. You know, exactly. it's not true religion, but... Um, you know, I, I don't think most planets have religion the way we have religion. I think that they would scoff at the at the notion. You know, I mean, it's like, wait, oh no, not know? at all. Uh, you know, especially the advanced civilizations. Yeah. Uh, religion is a crutch. It's a it's a primitive tool 
used by barbaric societies that just want to control the masses. And the way I see it is ETs um, are more about spirituality. And and this is what's happening right now on our planet. People are, are leaving religion and being part of this idea that we are sovereign spiritual beings, that there is no mediator that, you know, it is within and all around us divinity. It's everywhere. And so that's the way uh, these advanced civilizations see things. So the more, the higher evolved they are is because they're more spirit, the, the more spiritual mature they are. It's, it's the same yes. thing to say, you know? Yeah, abs- absolutely. You know, and I, and thankfully they're all being very patient and we look, I think that in the great scheme of things, I always tell my kids this, you know, um, we're a young, you, you know, know when, we're, we're a young species. Mm-hmm. So we got You got to be patient as we look out in the world and we see like some of the, things happening right now that have been happening with genocides we have to remember that we're very young and and we're figuring out our way you know but but um ismail i want to give you an opportunity to um to to like so you know we live in a in a society that um every culture has its own every culture every nation you know every people they have their own sense of upbringing and therefore um, programming, for lack of a better word, you know, set of beliefs that they tend to learn from their guardians, um, their guardians being their parents, you know, or loved ones who raise them. Mm-hmm. And not everyone, <laughs> unfortunately, not everyone has the best set of programmers, right? And we live in a world that is, you know, very, you know, fallen into the illusion of materialism and we don't learn a lot about what's very important when we're young, at least most people that's changing more and more. Thank God. Um, and I'm trying to teach my children what is important, you know, um, and, and what is true about this amazing universe we live in, um, and, and how to interact with it. But I want to give you an opportunity before before we say goodbye. And I'm sure we're going to talk again because there's just too much to talk about. Um, but I know we just hit them with a lot of information. So I want to give – I don't want to go too much longer because I know people will start to, you know, smoke will start coming out of their ears. But um, I'm wondering if you would share, you know, some wisdom from your heart, for, um, something that people can program into theirs that might, you know, allow them to see and experience this incredible life that we're, that we're all blessed with, you know, in a way that allows for more joy and love. Well, one of the things that I always like to tell people is that um, there is no external savior. No one's coming to save us, that we are age, that the best thing to do is to establish uh, some sort of spiritual practice, whether it's meditation whether it's dance, some people, you know, reach that level of, of consciousness just through dance, whether it is through Tai Chi, prayer, whatever it is that connects you to the divine, you know, start doing it now because, you know, there is a powerful being waiting to be, first of all, discovered inside each and every single one of you. And second of all, unleashed, you know, we are it, you know. We are the ones that all the prophecies have been talking about, all the volunteers that are down here. And I believe that there's millions of us down here now. So that is the literal definition of what many call the second coming. It's not an external event. No one's coming from the sky. There is no alien that's going to save us. There is no entity that's going to save us. We have to do the work. We have to save ourselves. And so um, it's best to always be mindful because 
when we are in the presence, which is known as the eternal now, we are co-creating reality. And according to the latest evidence in quantum research, it is believed that you are affecting your future and your past every second of the, every second, every, you know, how can I explain it? Every single second you are affecting your past and your future. It's called the quantum eraser. They used to believe that the future was affected by the past, but according to this phenomena called the quantum eraser, uh, it is proven that you're actually affecting the future even from your future. So every, every second of the day, you are affecting yourself in the past and the future. So if you want to manifest your your dream life, if you want to you know, fulfill your passions, um, the best thing to do is to first understand that you are it, that God is a a magnificent, luminous being that is waiting, that is, that is inside you, waiting to be activated and unleashed, and that um, you are, you know, one with everything else. There is no separation. And one of the greatest illusions uh, that they teach us is that things are separated. But when you come to understand how everything's kind of connected on a very fundamental energetic level, um, you know, everything is one. We are part of a bigger organism called a planet. Our planet with other planets make up a bigger organism called the solar system. Our solar systems with other solar systems in turn make up a bigger organism known as our galaxy and so on and so forth. So everything is conscious. Everything's alive. The moment you begin to understand that um, you are not local, but that your mind is part of that infinite field of energy called unified, you begin to start doing what many would call the impossible. I'm so glad I asked you that question. We are definitely brothers. Um, it's been so awesome to talk to you and to and to hear all, all your wisdom. And what a treat! What a treat, brother. We'll have to do it again. Um, you know, and I'm and I'm sure we're going to bump into each other one of these days. I was supposed to be in. Uh, in I, w- I was going to try to make it to Vegas a few weeks ago, um, and I, and I didn't get a chance. But I but I know you were speaking there. I was hoping to see you. But I but I, I also I ended up just reaching out to you and been like. Let's let's talk. I was hoping to say hello in person, but I'm sure we're going to end up at a conference together. Um, and I appreciate your time so much, brother. This has been awesome. A lot of information. Um, probably have a, a few people listen more than once. But listen, tell everyone where to find you. Tell everyone about your. You have an incredible uh, YouTube channel. You have you are on social media. Tell everyone where they can find you and find your work. Sure. Um, I'm also going to be at the Conscious Live Expo, which is the biggest spiritual expo in the world here in LA on February the I believe 11 12 and 13th I'm not sure um I could you know, yeah yeah I'm, for those that are want to attend my um lecture my presentation I'm going to be doing a PowerPoint presentation breaking down the entire cosmic war with this alien AI uh describing the 15 dimensional time matrix the different types of advanced civilizations it's good. we're going to go deep that's why um I'm going to be doing this in what they call the rabbit hole room <laughs> So I'm also uh, on YouTube under the real Ishmael Perez. Uh, Make sure that you type in the real Ishmael Perez because I have so many fake pirated YouTube accounts that are not me. These guys are literally just taking my interviews, my work, and they're putting it on their platforms, making people think it's me, but they're not. So my only YouTube account is the real Ishmael Perez. And um, if you want to order my book, the the best way to order it is through my website, ourcosmicorigin.com. So if you go to my website, ourcosmicorigin.com, you click the A for Amazon, and you will actually um, get the new edited version, which is the purple cover. 
And hopefully that's the cover you have. So yeah, and we'll we'll include a link in the oh, video. Oh, perfect, wonderful. So yeah, so yeah. catch me at the Los Angeles Conscious Live Expo this February in two months. I'm going to be you know delivering a powerful presentation. It's going to be mind bending. And then of course, awesome. And he's on Instagram as well. I think the same name. The real right? Ishmael Perez. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I was just talking to uh, Dr. JJ and Desiree Hertek, and and they were like, "Are you coming to the?" I was like, "I wish I could. Come. I can't. I I can't make it to the February one." Um, I'm going to try to go to Sedona in March. And there's a few people I know going oh, okay. to, 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 it's, it's a lot of channelers. I know the vertex, by the way. I, I yeah. yeah incredible. People. <laughs> I figured people. you met them. Yeah. Great people is right. Um, brother, it's been real. I'll let you know when this is going to come out. Yeah. We'll cut some clips for our social media and we'll do, uh, we'll collaborate and, you know, we'll post them together and get some, see, get some responses. All right. Sounds but, good. Um, all right, brother. Thank you, you so too. much. I'll be in touch. Right, take, take care. care. Have a good one. Thank you so much. All right, brother.